Why is the static versus dynamic typing debate so painful? Hello, my name is Eric Normand, and this is my podcast. Welcome. So today we're going to talk about the static versus dynamic typing discussion, debate, argument, fight. And I want to talk about it from a personal perspective. Uh, I don't have much to add to the debate. I've participated in it. I've read a lot. Um, but besides what I've already added, but I do want to share a personal, personal side to it. I'm troubled by the debate. I'm troubled by the way we are going about it. I think there's a lot of value in this discussion, the tension between static typing and dynamic typing. A ton of value. They're, they're obviously distinct and obviously have successes on both sides and benefits and uh, disadvantages on both sides. But what troubles me is the level of discussion that we're having. So I'll, I want to keep it personal um, and not just go into abstract problems I see. Personally, I've written some articles um, taking taking a, a position on uh, some aspects of the of the debate. You know, it's a big debate. It's been going on for years. Like it's not going to end anytime soon. That's that's for sure. Um, but I feel unheard by kind of both sides. Uh, so I have an article out there uh, where I was trying to comment on some of the points made in in a in a rich hickey talk. Oh, I'll find the name of the article. Hang on. Okay, it's called Closure versus the Static Typing World. Ritchie gave a talk and he made some comments in it and I wanted to share my personal experience. Uh, because I had worked in both Haskell and Closure and so I had what I thought was a um, a perspective that hadn't been heard very much. Um, I've talked to several people who have like started using Haskell and they love it and would never go back to a static language. And I did, I did, I, I learned Haskell a little bit in school, but I mostly spent my time with closure, uh, after it came out. And then I got a job in Haskell and I, I've, 
did it. I liked it. It was interesting. And I gave it uh, maybe 75% of my um, my heart, you know. Um, I, I did not join Haskell communities online. I didn't, like, go deep into it. But I learned enough for me to um, to function at my job. And I learned to appreciate quite a lot about Haskell. But then I still missed Clojure. And I felt good going back to Clojure and its stance on dynamic typing. Anyway, I felt like I had a, a good, um, good perspective, different perspective from what most people have. Because most people who go to Haskell don't, don't go back. Uh, I've told people that I've gone back and they're surprised. Like, I've never heard of someone who's done that. I did. Okay. And so I uh, wanted to give uh, my personal interpretation of the kind of stuff that Rich Hickey was talking about. And I was mostly groping and fumbling around, trying to put my finger on why, like, some of the disadvantages that I saw that Clojure was better at than, than Haskell. Okay, some of the things that Clojure could do better than Haskell. And not saying it's a great essay or anything, but I got a lot of responses and they weren't all, I mean, they, they were civil, I guess, but they weren't very charitous. Right, they didn't. They didn't give me the benefit of the doubt, somehow. Um, so I remember one that. Um, so you know, one of the things I said was that uh, one of the nice things about closure is you can read a data structure in that. Um, you're like a JSON, right? That you don't quite know what it, what this structure is. And you might know some things, but not everything, you know, it's JSON, but you're not sure like all the keys, you know, some of the keys. And then also like sometimes you read in a thing and the, the, the the strings have parse errors in them. So they're strings, but they're supposed to be interpreted as, say, a date. But then it doesn't parse as a date because they typed it in wrong. And, and or, you know, it just breaks the, it breaks your expectations. And so uh, what do you do with that? And you have to deal with that. But, like, sometimes you don't have to deal with it because you didn't even care about the date, right? So there's all these... There, there, there's a very um, complex thing going on here that you've got choices and to the in the closure world the the idea is get it into the system deal with that later if you need to deal with the problems of the parsing and everything because you might never need it uh, but don't don't try to impose a structure before it's in the system, right? And in Haskell, it's much harder to, it's not that it's impossible, but that the attitude in the 
libraries, in the, the, the community, just the, the kind of the practices of the community are to define a type that this will be, this JSON will be converted into. And even if, if you don't do that and you just leave it as JSON, it's kind of hard to work with, right? It's kind of hard to work with raw JSON within Haskell um, because you have all these cases where, well, what if you think it's a string, but it's really a number and now you have an error, whereas in closure, the types are much looser and you can do stuff with them. Like with, you know, you can print them out and, and check what the types are and stuff without actually knowing. Okay. It just makes it, it's just more convenient. And there's lots of stuff in Haskell that's more convenient too. Don't get me wrong, right? But this is one of the things that Clojure uh, has made easier than Haskell. And so I, I wrote that this was my this was the argument I was trying to make. And some people uh, took that to mean that I don't understand how types work or how total functions work, how it can't make sense to allow map over every type, which it appears that closure does. And I'm not under that, uh, uh, you know, I don't believe that map is a total function. Uh, it's just that closure does not help you learn that at static compile time, right? Like closure does not help you learn that you passed in the wrong type of argument. Uh, but still we think about types. We know that map only really applies to sequences. Uh, it doesn't apply to say, um, a number, right? Uh, and so, uh, and, and it's not that <laughs> it's not that someone disagreed with me. Uh, it's that I felt like I felt like I had a lot of closureists shouting on my side, saying, "Yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right." And I don't know if they understood what I was trying to say. And I had a lot of Haskellers shouting, "No, no, you don't get it. You're wrong." And you think this and you think that. And I didn't think those things. Um, and my article was not about those things. And I just felt unheard, unlistened to. And I know I don't, I don't, um, I don't take it personally anymore. I used to, uh, I've been writing online for a long time. And so at this point, it doesn't, it doesn't phase me, um, uh, like it used to, I, I, I've come to expect it, that people are going to read into what you say a lot more than what, what you say. Uh, but what bugs me is that it's so systematic and I don't believe we're ever going to be able to hear each other. I say systematic, I mean systemic, that we're now so divided 
that if I use a, if I make a comment as I'm, I'm labeled as a dynamic typing person and I make a comment about a static type thing, I'm placed in that with that label with a matrix of other beliefs and assumptions and mistakes that I'm not making. And so I cannot speak and be heard because people just want to like win the fight or define their stance. And I, I saw this happening quite a bit. Uh, Rich Hickey gave another talk where he talked about the problems with one single type, even the type was in the name of the talk. The type was maybe, and he was talking about how it didn't solve the problem that he saw needed solving. And yet people would recommend he use that, uh, for his problem. And so he was describing the problem with using maybe for that problem. And man, people just could not hear it. I had people, um, comment to me that they got very angry. These, these were like static typing, you know, fans, and I'm a fan of static typing, but they were very angry. They got angry at a conference talk. And, and I'm not saying that Ritiki was right, uh, but I have re-listened to try to find like, what did he say? What specifically was like so, so wrong? And I couldn't find anything that was uh, wrong. I went looking in other people's responses to it and they're not responding to what he actually said. And I think it happens on both sides of the debate. If someone says something good about static typing, uh, they are, you know, the, the dynamic typing fans will, if, some, if someone says something good about static typing or something bad about dynamic typing, the dynamic typing fans get defensive as well. And, um, their blood boils and their, you know, their adrenaline gets ready for a, a fight and they stop being able to evaluate the, the statement being made. And it saddens me. I'm sad. I'm sad that as an industry, we can't get over this. We need to be able to talk. You know, if Rich Hickey was wrong about this, that's fine. 
I didn't see it as a takedown of static typing. Well, let me put that another way. I did feel a little bit of like, yeah, that's what I felt when I was using Haskell. Yeah. And I was, I, later I was a little ashamed of that. I was ashamed that I would feel such a strong sympathy and excitement that, that we had, we were digging one in, right? Because rhetorically, we're all guilty. We're all guilty. We all uh, make claims that we don't have any evidence for scientific evidence. We only have our personal experiences. There's not much evidence that uh, there's a difference between static and dynamic typing in terms of, you know, reducing bugs or going faster or whatever claims people make. Um, just as an example, uh, it has been shown that uh, getting a good night's sleep is more significant than whether, like the choice of language. So if that's the thing, <laughs> like we should be you know, debating how much sleep we need to get not uh what what language or like language features we we need um and i'm i'm ashamed of myself for having participated in the past in uh in the debate in an unfair way um and I wonder if there isn't some kind of healing we can do. Because from my perspective, both sides have advantages and they both have disadvantages. And if we don't listen to each other, we'll never make a best of both worlds scenario. It would be really awesome to have the benefits of a dynamic system that can deal with the unknown uh, parts of your data, right? The unknown world, changing world, um, and have the awesome properties uh, of and abilities of a language with really strong static typing. I don't see why we can't have both. And I know there's people working on optional and gradual typing. Like I know that, um, I don't know if the answer is there. Um, but there's, uh, I mean, I'm glad, I'm glad that's being worked on. Uh, sometimes I feel like that's being worked on by people who are more type static type oriented. And so they're missing something. Um, but that's, that's fine. Like everyone should work on that. Like everyone should be, uh, involved in that. And they're probably the best able to work on that, honestly. 
um, because the, the type systems are really hard. <laughs> They're hard to get right, and you need a lot of math and what have you. And so people who gravitate toward that mathy, uh, formal uh, um, logic, that kind of stuff, they're the ones who are probably better equipped to get it right. Um, so I don't know where to go from here. I don't know. I'm not like a person who can like bridge these two camps. I don't even know if there are, I mean, there's de facto camps, but there's no like official camps. But I mean, it just, it bothers me. I wish there was something I could do. Uh, it's sad. I'm sad about it. <laughs> I get upset when I don't feel listened to or heard. Um, and you know, what do you do when someone, uh, someone hears so much more than what you said? Uh, and they start arguing points you didn't make. What do you do? Okay, I do want to. Um, I do want to talk about a couple of points. I want to be balanced in this, and try to give a point from both sides because I don't want this to be taken as like a, a, a partisan in any way. But the rhetoric that we're using, you know, when you hear someone use rhetoric and you're not part of that community and like you, you, you hear someone like affirm it, uh, like it's, it's obviously the truth. It's scary. Uh, because other people outside of that community, uh, don't believe it. And what are you, it's almost, it's very cult-like, right? Like you're, you're all saying the same phrase in this community that's, that's meaningful to you. But, um, like when someone outside is like, that's kind of a meaningless statement. Um, so one of the things I hear uh, in the static typing community is something like um, static typing eliminates a certain class of errors. And they, it's, it's that very phrase, it's that, that's verbatim. I hear that a lot. And it's a meaningless statement. Like if you, I mean, I don't want to logic chop it too much, but let's, let's do it a little bit. So, well, well, before we do that, let's talk about what they mean. If you give them the benefit of the doubt, which is important, we need to practice this. They probably mean that there is a certain class of errors that some dynamic languages have where you pass the wrong type to a function and because there's no static typing you can't know that it was the wrong type 
until runtime and it has a bug. And so program crashes or, you know, throws an exception that's caught somewhere else and like your program uh, does the wrong thing. Um, and okay, that's probably what they mean. It's hard to dig in and understand it. But if you're generous, you hear, you can hear that in what they're saying. There's a certain class of errors. I passed a string when it meant, to, when I wanted a number and I tried to add it or I tried to divide, uh, by a string and like, boom, it crashed, right? That's not possible in Haskell because you can't pass a string it, to a function that's going to do a division with that. It's just going to tell you no. So you, you, you've eliminated this class of errors. You've basically moved them to compile time so that they never enter production. Uh, okay. That's good. That's a good thing, right? Like eliminating these errors. That's great. Um, but the rhetoric is what I don't like because certain class of errors is actually meaningless. It has, it's empty of content. I mean, first of all, you can have an empty class, right? So anything could eliminate a class of errors if it's an empty class. Okay. But all right, that's maybe a little too logic chopping, right? But a certain class, like, could you at least name the class and not just say a certain class? Everything eliminates a certain class of errors, right? I mean, having a null pointer exception, uh, eliminates a certain class of errors. Uh, it eliminates like crashing your program and doing a core dump, right? Like, Oh, we, we can't pass a message to null. So we're just going to throw an exception instead of trying to pass it to null and dying, uh, dereferencing null, right? Um, that's, you know, that's kind of, you know, you could just say anything eliminates a certain class of errors. So it's not really, it doesn't contain any information. Uh, so you got to, and I, I've, I've seen it in like conference talks, you know, people will stand up and say, well, I believe in Haskell cause it eliminates a certain class of errors. You're like, but that's <laughs> everything <laughs> eliminates a certain class of error. Not writing a program eliminates a giant class of errors, right? Dynamic, dynamically checking your types also eliminates a certain class of errors. What class? The class of errors that you remember to check <laughs> and, and manage to check correctly. Like it's kind of a meaningless statement. So it would be really nice if that was named and if it was named, it probably wouldn't be something you need to repeat because it'd be obvious. Haskell eliminates uh, runtime type errors. That's it. Yes, that's true. Um, when, but you have to use type error or type as the way Haskell defines it, right? Um, not in a more dynamic kind of way. Um, or, you know, in a way like stringly type language would define it where a string with numbers in it, uh, is, can be interpreted as a, as a number, 
uh, you know, a string with digits in it, it could be an integer. Um, and so the type error in that kind of language would be, well, if you have a, a letter in your number or, you know, in your string, then it couldn't be interpreted as a number. Uh, and does static typing eliminate that? Not quite, because if you parse something with, um, you know, I'm just trying to say that there's different definitions of type and different notions of type, and so that has to be taken into account. Um, it's, a, it's a complex thing. Um, you can define type in a very formal and, um, I don't want to say, I want to say strict way, in a formal strict way such that it is type checkable, right? So that you can write a practical type checker for it that doesn't have, you know, that doesn't explode when you give it a real program. And that's what Haskell has done. And it's, it's, it's a real feat of engineering to do that and design. Okay. So I want to give an example of the rhetoric I hear on the other side, on the, on the dynamic typing side which is something like um, static typing prevents me from uh, expressing the, the constructs that I want to express. I don't know if I have a real verbatim thing that I, I hear all the time, um, but it's... Uh, or maybe some people say static typing um, makes me go slower because I uh, have to think about the types and not just about what it does. And um, there's, there's, I guess, some truth to that. Like it makes you go slower, but uh, just because there's now two things to think about, the types and the values, uh, but in the long run, it's probably better to have a computer be doing the logic, you know, consistency checking for you, which is what the type checker is doing, uh, because then it can be correct. Uh, and if you get the type system on your side, man, it's really helpful. It finds things that you hadn't thought of. And from my experience, um, from my experience working in Haskell, uh, eventually you realize how uh, unsafe isn't the right word, but how unwise it is to say return different types from the same function or to make something like ridiculously polymorphic for no good reason like oh this takes a number or a, 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 a collection of numbers and if it's a collection of numbers it does this one thing but if it's a single number it does, like don't why why have uh why make it polymorphic like that so that it works with like a, a singleton argument or a set of arguments like it doesn't it doesn't really improve even the usability like like you think. Um, and 
that's something that the the dynamic typing world can learn a lot from is like some the, the reason the type checker works so well and can identify all the, the types of all the things is because the types have to be simpler and more consistent and simpler and more consistent like that just sounds good it forces you to be simpler and more consistent yeah hello that's awesome uh give me more of that please uh so uh that idea that it makes you go slower that the type checker makes you go slower um is is i mean it's true when you're learning because you make a lot of mistakes but eventually it gets on your side or you get it on your side. You, you change internally to understand it better and you can start using it. And at that point, it makes you go faster for the things that, that it's good at. Not going to be faster for the things it's bad at, but it, it's um, it, for like normal everyday programming, it really helps. Uh, Okay, so I, w I did want to give those two examples, one from each side, that just showing how um, sometimes the statements we make on one side like doesn't like it, it, they don't they don't make sense from the outside. They're not they're almost cult like. Like you know, can you really say that it makes you go slower? Like, have you learned that somehow? Uh, like, have you given it a really good test? Um, like I said, if you're learning the type system and trying to test your speed at the same time, that's not really fair. That's not a fair test. It's like saying, like, you know, I, English is my first language, and I speak Spanish, some Spanish. But if you ask me to say something, f like, fast in Spanish uh compared to english like i'm just gonna say no i'm not spanish just slows me down right but if i got better at it like it, maybe there's things in spanish that i can say much faster than in english uh that's maybe a extreme example but i'll probably never be as fast in spanish as i am in english just because it's my native language okay uh i think that's a it's a fine example it's okay uh, all right, so um, I this was this has been on my mind for a while, and I was kind of dreading it because, like, I was even worried I might like get super emotional about it. Um, I just wish that we could get along, we could learn from each other, talk to each other, listen to each other and work together make something better than what we have on either side all right so my name is eric normand this has been another episode of my podcast thank you so much for being there and as always rock on